Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Grease. I'm your host. It is the September 2nd, 2017 edition. So joining me today in this special episode, first off, we've got Josh Torres. Hey, what's up, guys? And we have uh, James Galizio. Yo. Hey, you both. So uh, it's been a pretty light week, all things considered. Um, Last weekend, we spent a good hour to uh, a little over an hour just on news alone just because how crazy it was with uh, Nintendo and with um, with uh, Yakuza and Square Enix um, busting out a ton of news, like, uh, you know, the the Yakuza 2 remake and Secret of Mana and all that stuff. This week, there's not anywhere near as much information uh, that we can talk about, but that just leaves us open for uh, some special games that came out this past week uh, that will be coming out soon, but we've <laughs> yeah, got articles yet. up for on the site now. So we're allowed to talk about them because the embargoes dropped. So let's just go ahead and head right into it. Um, before we do, though, I I want to get kind of other games out of the way because I think that we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the uh, more important title as far as uh, RPG sites concerned. But uh, this is something kind of new. But uh, we are sort of approaching the Monster Hunter series with more... Uh, attention than we used to i think we've been talking about this quite a number of times in the past where we didn't have much uh coverage on that series but james uh the reason we hired you of course is for monster hunter and you've been playing a little bit of the new monster hunter double cross for the switch how's that been for you I've, i've been hearing good things yeah i just um picked up the game digitally like a few hours ago because we were kind of off and on about are we going to do a full review because we did a preview of the demo which kind of tells you all you need to know and monster Hunter stories was coming up and we weren't sure how the like embargoes and whatnot for that would line up so i've only played a little bit of the full game of the switch version but if you play monster Hunter generations on the 3ds you kind of have an idea of what you're getting into just um content uh, yeah imagine yeah different content because you get g rank again which was in monster Hunter 4 ultimate 3 ultimate it's a staple of the series where basically any game that has a u like word somewhere in that title as G rank, so except the it's uh, the Japanese version, so you don't have that you in the title, but um, it's good. It's kind of a similar thing to it's a similar feeling to what I'm going to talk about with V8 later, but it's really interesting because I've been playing the 3DS version for quite a bit, mm-hmm. and now going to the Switch version. Obviously, there's things that've been changed because you're going from two screens to one screen. You're going from a 240p screen to a 720p or 1080p HD screen, so. Lots of small changes that the development team made to accommodate that. How does it control, like, just finally getting out of the 3DS era of Monster Hunters and finally getting a proper controller? What I said with my preview of the demo is the most important thing about this game isn't the HD graphics, it isn't the improved visuals, it isn't even it being on a home console. It's just the fact that you don't have to use a 3DS add-on mm-hmm. or that stupid little... C nub thing on the yeah. new 3ds yeah and we'll actually use camera controls and beyond that you even have a fully unlocked camera this time because previous monster Hunter games it was kind of like manual like it was either left or right or up and down and even on the psp like the vertical axis was locked to different levels so like you tap mm-hmm. up and it would like go one range up and then another range up it'd, it'd, it'd be like 45 up. degree like intervals well a little puzzle. bit a little bit um, more, uh, it gave you a little bit more control than that, but I guess mm-hmm. that is a good example. Um, but yeah, in this one, the first thing I noticed when I was playing the demo, and you can read that in the preview on RPG site, um, 
the camera is completely uh, unlocked. So like if you're moving the control stick, the right control stick um, in a diagonal fashion, it will actually move the camera in diagonal fashion, which is pretty much totally new to the series, which it's a small thing, but it's very, uh, very nice to have. So uh, yeah, that's the, the so the visuals and everything got a nice improvement. As so, aside from the visuals though, because that's kind of a given, has the frame rate also been kind of smooth? Because I'm sure it get, when it got kind of busy on the 3ds, it sort of chugged a little bit. But up on the it switch, it a little bit. I I definitely noticed there was some frame drops with one specific monster when they did one attack on the 3ds version, and I'd imagine it was even worse on the original 3ds. I have the new 3ds that I played it on. Oh, okay. But on the Switch, it's a locked 30 FPS. It's not 60 FPS, but I, like I said in my preview, I think the reason for that is the fact that there's actually cross-play between the 3DS and the Switch versions oh, yeah, online. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a locked 30 FPS, very smooth. Um, frame pacing seems to be really nice. I know that um, Digital Foundry looked at that, and they came to the conclusion that it was pretty much perfect frame pacing, which is really nice. Um, yeah, frame rate haven't had any drops so far but then again i have i've only really played the switch version for like an hour or two hours right now so i wonder how it'd feel like uh when you pop open that kickstand in portable mode and then like set, uh, detach the controllers from it how does it feel to like just control like each portion of the controller um, um different games it works um either well or not so well i'm not mm-hmm. sure if um monster hunter is a game that would feel good that way just because of how like precise you need to be for camera controls and your movement it's like okay you need to keep my eye directly on the monster and one of the problems with uh, popping these switches controllers out like that is when you're holding the right joy con specifically it's kind of awkward to get to that analog stick on the right side and trying to move it it's it's good for something like splatoon where you have the motion control so you're relying mostly on it but on uh, monster hunter i haven't tried it yet but i don't think it would work out very well Speaking of motion controls, is there any motion control support for this? No, there's not. Okay. And how about uh, like flipping one of like the half controllers like sideways to make like a really really terrible like one controller? Can oh you God. play it like that? No, you can't. And thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it like? Huh. Just I mean, uh, just to sort of wrap things up. In any case, how does it feel to be able to just you know take Monster Hunter, you know, play it on a on a on a TV and then take it wherever you go? Is that convenience kind of like? Uh, made you a much be- bigger fan of the series than you already were? Well, I already was a huge fan of the series. I mean, that's the reason you guys brought me on. I said a bigger uh, fan, yeah. A bigger fan than you were. Um, I'm not sure if it makes me more of a fan of the series, but I definitely would say that now that this is here on the Switch, it's I'm basically retiring my 3DS now, except for uh, Monster Hunter Stories and Etrion C5. Once those two games are out, yeah, that game, that system is not going to get nearly as much playtime as it used to. That's kind of that's kind of what I was implying was you know yeah. uh, now that that's on a Switch where it does the best of both worlds. Of course, uh, yeah. you know the reason to use the 3DS. Obviously, there's still some incredible 3DS games coming up, but uh, it feels like Monster Hunter series is definitely making that big transition to consoles once again. And uh, soon enough, you know, it'll be less of a reason to get a portable version. Uh, and just stick to like the Switch or something like that. But you know, who knows? Maybe Nintendo and Sony will announce new handhelds with the new Monster Hunter games on them. So I don't want to like, you know, uh, say that won't happen. But I, uh, I think that that's kind of made uh, the Nintendo Switch that much more appealing. You know, uh, especially for yeah. people in Japan. So uh, to be able to do that, I think that that'll make that system even more popular than it already is in Japan, anyway. So well, I'm not for... sure how much Monster Hunter Double Cross is gonna 
increase demand for the Switch in Japan. I mean, demand's already through the roof. Like, they're selling out of literally every system they get in Japan. But, I heard, uh, I heard, I'm sorry to uh, cut you off, but I Monster heard that, uh, yeah. yeah, that Monster Hunter World is really eating to the sales of Monster Hunter Double Cross. Like, people don't really want to buy that version. They want to wait for World. <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah. true or not, but that's what some stories Basically, are going Basically, first week sales for Monster Hunter Double Cross for, for Switch are right around 100,000, which for a Monster Hunter game, uh... that's not amazing. Um, and also, not only is it just around like 100,000, but it's only like 50% sell-through rate for a week. Oh, that's, and that's obviously the most important week. So, yeah, Josh, you're going to ask something, though? Yeah, uh, so people, you know, for people who can't wait for Monster Hunter World, and obviously the Switch makes it easy to import digitally, uh, is Monster Hunter Double Cross like, He's like approachable to like people who import the game that, that can't read Japanese. Can they still find their way around, or just say don't don't do it? Just wait for a world. Then I think it depends. If you've played Monster Hunter enough in the past, then you've probably already played a Monster Hunter game in Japanese. Like I know people that played the series on PSP, they probably eventually got around to playing Monster Hunter Portable Third, especially since there was an English patch. And um, on 3DS, there's even an English patch for the. Um, 3DS version of uh, Monster Hunter Double Cross as well for menus and whatnot. Um, for the Switch, though, it really depends. It's a lot easier to import, but I definitely wouldn't recommend it if you haven't at least played a little bit of Monster Hunter Generations, because especially with the style system, it makes it a bit harder to wrap your, hand, uh, your head around, I feel like. Uh, just explain very briefly like what the style system is in this game. So, in previous Monster Hunter games, like when you equip the weapon you knew exactly what attacks you would have mm -hmm. but ever since monster Hunter generations they added in the style system where you could change up the moveset of your weapon just a little bit based around different styles guild style is more or less the default so if you've played monster Hunter before it's um, basically the same deal um striker style kind of simplifies the weapon's moveset a bit but gives you um three slots for hunter arts which are basically flashy moves um Guild style gives you two slots, so you, you're kind of sacrificing some of your um, weapons utility just to be able to pop off more of those big moves. Um, aerial style is kind of what it says. Your dodge is um, replaced with a kind of jump dodge, where if you jump dodge into something like a monster or a teammate or whatnot, you're going to actually jump into the air and you can do specific attacks in the mm -hmm. air with your weapon. Um, there's Bushido style, which is called Adept style in Monster Hunter Generations in the West, which is basically, um, to kind of give an example for something you've played, we've both played recently, you know, Flash Dodge in, uh, Ease 8? Yeah. Kind of similar to that, where instead okay. of slowing down, it gives you a unique attack if you dodge at just the right time. Okay, cool. And then there's two new styles unique to Monster Hunter Double Cross, one of which is called Brave style, which is kind of similar to um, adept style in a way, but it also, it's kind of hard to explain in mm -hmm. just a few minutes. It's definitely the most mechanically deep style, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And then there's ranking style, which is basically alchemy style, which is very different, where not only do you have your regular weapon, but you have this kind of like alchemy barrel that you can shake to eventually let off different effects. So it's more of a support role. Oh, okay. So uh, because you have all of those different styles, that's why I'm saying if you didn't play Monster Hunter Generations, it might be hard to wrap your yeah, head around that if you can't read Japanese. And you, yeah, I imagine like alchemy styles in general. Like it, that sounds like you need to have like a deep understanding of like uh, just Brant, Japanese characters in general. Um, 
there's a fairly good guides online from a bunch of different sources for yeah. how to play those different mm-hmm. styles. Like big community. There's a big community. I know that Arex and uh, Gaijin Hunter have um, yes. videos about that stuff. I They're, love Gaijin Hunter. He's a great guy. Yeah, uh-huh. he's pretty much the monster guy on YouTube, and Arex is not far behind. In fact, I feel like um, if anything, Arex, it might overtake Gaijin Hunter with Monster Hunter World because he's been going really hammer. Oh, yeah, I've been, I've been watching a, a few like Monster Hunter World videos he's been releasing from Gamescom. Yeah. But anyways, enough about Monster Hunter. We're going to be here for like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. but that, that's just, uh, just yeah. Monster Hunter Double Cross, the, like, outside of like, those two new styles, and of course, a few like, new monsters. Are there like any any other significant changes you feel like from the, from generations to that? Um, yes, there's some changes like G rank. You have mm-hmm. a bunch more, um, returning monsters and you also have new, uh, deviant monsters that you can fight. Okay. So it's basically extra content besides the new styles. The gameplay is mostly the same, I'd say. So, but that's, that's what happens with any monster hunter release that gets a G ranking version. So, so there you go. If you can't wait to play Monster Hunter World, then maybe consider picking this up. I mean, that is 2018, right? And like, what's the? I, but the problem is, of course, is that if you want to import it, most, uh, Japan likes to, you know, have jack up the prices for video games, so it's oh, not as easy not to that like. Bad. Yeah. It's not well, that bad. are you talking uh, about in general? Oh, because no, it's, it's always like, yeah, it's like eighty no, he's bucks. Ta- he's more. talking about he's, ta- he's talking about this specific uh, case. That's what I was Hunter. wondering. Like, uh, you can yeah. you can basically make an Amazon Japan account, put in a random Japanese address, put in your details. You don't have, you don't have to. Oh, you mean as far as creating the account? Sure, but you know, Amazon typically ships internationally for video games. No, no, I'm so. talking about digital codes because you can actually oh. buy it digitally on Amazon Japan. It's cheaper than getting it from the eShop. So uh, I did that because I have a. You, there's a bunch of websites where you can just get random Japanese addresses and whatnot. And I use that whenever I buy anything digitally. I was able to, literally, it was three clicks. I clicked buy code, clicked to approve the purchase, and then it said, hey, click here to redeem it on your My Nintendo account. So, I wonder if, like, if in other countries that uh, they go to, like, a U.S. site and, like, just kind of swipe out, like, U.S. addresses to make, an, like, a U.S. account. I'm sure it does. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> And it's it's yeah. important to note too that that's another big benefit of the Switch. Obviously, is that it's region free, so you can be doing something like this. We can import games. Clearly, couldn't do that on the 3DS. So this is already like a way more beneficial uh, experience for a platform. But anyways, Monster Hunter Double Cross, especially, it's cheaper than most um, Switch games in the West. Even I was able to get that digital copy for just under fifty bucks. Cool. That's that's what I was yeah. wondering if it was like a full price game or it was like. Uh, it's the same uh, MSRP as the 3DS version, so. Good. That's good to know. So, yeah, I mean, you're kind of leaning into this a little bit, so I, did, I don't know if we want to get into right away, but let's just go ahead and do it. Uh, so, obviously, uh, it's a game that we have, uh, Ease 8 is a game we haven't been able to talk about for a while because of embargo, but we were able to get the codes early enough that uh, you guys, both of you, both Josh and James, you both were able to cover that game and review it for your respective sites. So I wanted yeah. to get some sort of input on uh, your experience with this because, yeah, it's a big game, but also um, it's working with a different localizer. And before, you, have, of course, had XC, games handling all the uh, localization for pretty much almost the entire e-series in the west uh, after konami uh, <laughs> no one wants to remember konami's input on like uh back in the playstation two days but uh yeah xc took over around like the nintendo ds era and then now we've got uh nice america handling e8 lacrimosa of dana and so yes uh 
obviously you guys were kind of uh touching on different points i did get a chance to read both your reviews so um it'd be interesting to see your your you obviously put different weights into different parts of the game so i wanted to hear what your uh sort of lasting thoughts are on that yeah you want to go first um, I have a lot more to talk about, so I feel like I should just bounce <laughs> off of you. All right. Okay. So um, East 8 is a, a lot of, like, if you remember Solsetta on the Vita, Vita yeah. it, it's it's a, a very much a bigger and way better version of that game. Uh, East 8 uh, takes place on Adol, shipwrecked again on this Isle of uh, Siren. And the the whole thing is about charting this island and kind of it's kind of a survival story as well because you're seeking out like the uh, shipwrecked passengers that were on that ship uh, that you were on so it has this weird thing that's that it's going for where like it's very much a story about you know kind of coming together as strangers working throughout you know typical community problems and like trying to prioritize you know how the fuck do we get off this island? There's a lot more to this island than, you know, on the surface level. And, you know, at, at its core, East is very much a responsive action RPG. So there's a lot more refined gameplay in that, but there's a very much a more heavy focus story in it than past East games. It's taking uh, a lot of cues from um, Falcom's Trails. Uh, yeah, Trails series. So, you know, remember, I know, uh, Zach, you in Cold Steel, you like... Uh, seeing the stories of like every single NPC in that game like progress Absolutely. in this game yeah in this game it's very much like that every single NPC oh, you know matters in this game that's good I, yeah. I, that makes me more excited to play it yeah so yeah, and the there's a, there's a lot yeah. there, there's a lot of uh, great characters in that yeah well, you were gonna say something um, yeah actually just to emphasize how big the story is in these eight um, I believe that the PS4 version has a similar size script to Trails in the Sky the Third, which is the smallest script for a uh, Trails game, but still a pretty big script. So, yeah, and uh, you know, it, uh, coming back from like you know E7 and Tulsa, that you did still the party system of your three characters in it, and all three. Well, it, each character in the game has like a, an attack type of like slash, pierce, and strike. So you know there will be respective enemies that are weak to that. Once you hit them enough with their little weakness attribute, that you can break them, which will get you like you know an item from them, and they'll, they'll be susceptible to any kind of kind of attack type. And uh, it just it just feels good to like move around in it because it's been a while. Well, it's weird to say that because XE just put out E7 on PC, but it's been a while that like a new mainline E entry was like for a bit like a home console, yeah, like on the big screen. Yeah. So just seeing that uh, run at a 60 frames per second, it just it's a blast. But, yeah. you know, it, it has its fair share of flaws, technically. You know, like in my review, like I was very kind of bummed out in the PS4 version that there's a How lot of zones in it. it was. Yeah. yeah, it was very segmented. Like, you, like you're going around the city, for example, and like there's a lot of little areas that you go into. So you'll be seeing a lot of fade to blacks, so minor, minor loading times and just uh, like invisible walls every, everywhere, like kind of constrained by, you know, the limitations set of the development of this game as a Vita title originally in Japan. Yeah, makes sense. It's, it's worth noting that the PS4 version does actually have a significant amount of content that wasn't in the Vita release. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they did actually affect the loading zones a little bit. Like the uh, Castaway Village on the Vita was separated into four loading zones. But there's, oh, only, shit. <laughs> there's only the two on the, on yeah. the 
before. So yeah, so like the little like the little village that you that you make uh, very early on in the game, kind of kind of like acts as like your home base. Uh, it's uh, like obviously there's the entry point into that, but uh, what he's referring to is you can explore around the castaway village freely talking to your NPCs, but the only loading zone that you go into. It's the cave. Uh, yeah, in the PS4 and PC version is like the the cave, but in the Vita version, apparently there was like four different like smaller areas inside that village, as well. So you know, I'm for people who are planning to pick up the uh, Vita version of ESA, just keep in mind, you know, that there's going to be less content in it, and there's you know obviously there's going to be uh, technical limitations as well. It's the, it runs at a cap of 30 frames, but I hear you know performance isn't that great on that version either when uh, the action ramps up. Yeah, I will say that um, I feel like not enough people are kind of comparing and contrasting the Vita and PS4 versions, mostly because um, the people that played the Vita version, they're not touching the PS4 version. The people that are playing the PS4 version probably aren't touching the Vita version. So um, Mm -hmm. from my perspective as someone that's played both, the Vita Mm -hmm. version, if you only have a Vita, it's worth playing, but a lot of the flaws I, well, a lot of the complaints I had with the Vita version's pacing really mm-hmm. were fixed by the ps4 release like not to go into spoilers here it's already kind of mentioned in the story but and even on the cover like you have these sections where you're playing as donna in the past and whatnot because you're, you're seeing the dreams and whatnot as at all well in the ps4 version there is extra content in that you have the two different attack forms uh, luminous and um, gratica and you also have your rescuing fairies and there's a completely unique dungeon and Donna's side of the story which wasn't there in the um, Vita version and one of the big problems of the Vita version of Donna's sections is that there was little to no combat like you had a side quest or two where you're fight where you're fighting something but for the most part you could it was basically just all story and it was very linear and it's still linear on the PS4 version but there's other things to do like finding the fairies and then there's that extra dungeon which by the way not to spoil anything it's about as long if not longer than the final dungeon in the vita version so it's a pretty meaty piece of content and Mm, uh at least with honest sections i definitely say that that alone makes the ps4 version worth picking up over the vita version but then there's also other um, things added like night searching um certain areas which have different enemies slightly different geography and um even new items and side quests kind of linked to them it's uh, like it's kind of like how tokyo Xanadu is going to be like it's like the vita version came out but everyone's like just wait for the ps4 or pc version if you own those systems because exactly. that's going to be exactly. what matters yeah to put in perspective the gap between tokyo Xanadu and tokyo Xanadu ex plus was shorter than the um gap between the Vita and PS4 versions of E8. It was Japan. delayed, too, for E8. Yeah, it was, like, delayed in Japan for... Yeah, I remember that news, and that news broke. That's like, oh, yeah, we're releasing the Vita version first, and the PS4, like, a year later. It's like, oh, all right. There better be a reason, and apparently it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, but enough about the changes, like, to the PS4 version. Basically, if you only have a Vita, it's still worth playing on Vita. It's still mm-hmm. a great game, but... Okay, I gave the PS4 version a 9. I'd probably give the Vita version like an 8.5 or maybe even an 8. So. Gasp. Of course. Uh, it, uh, to, to clarify, though, because you know people might get tripped up on this, uh, East 8 does have uh, dual protagonists, uh, Adol and Dana, but it's not like East Origin where you'd like choose a character's like path or route in the beginning. It's all, it's all interweaved into, the, into one storyline. So, you know, 
at all will have his uh, storyline. Then there will be certain points in the story where he goes to sleep, and then that's when you transition over to Dana because they kind of uh, do do this thing where Adol dreams of Dana, and then you'll find out exactly what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to get too deep into that because we're kind of thinking, uh, no, this isn't set in stone, but we might have a spoiler cast for East 8 uh, maybe in a couple weeks. So that way people will be able to uh, get the game because it's on on September 12th, of course, and then play a little bit of it before we actually have a spoiler cast where people can, you know, listen along with you guys getting way more deeper into the story stuff. It's just a weird thing because, you know, East isn't a... a series really known for its story. No, we I, and it's funny that you 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 mentioned that. I totally agreed, and then you got some flack for that. I'm like, no, it's not. I played I played a lot of the East games, and I'm still like not convinced it's it's that important of a story. But this mm-hmm. one, uh, and this is something definitely that, has a story focus. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely more into the Legend of Heroes uh, area, as you said, with uh, like the NPCs and such. That's I've heard yeah. the comparisons too. Yeah, um, going outside of spoilers territory, um, I definitely say that East Eight is setting the foundation for at least the next like two or three East titles in regards to the story. Like there's a lot of um, hints that are dropped to, okay, where's that all going to, going to go next? What's going to happen? So it's very interesting to see um, Ease 8 do that because it means that probably there's going to be a much larger focus on the storytelling in the games going forward. So East 9 will be open world RPG. <laughs> there we go. I mean, I mean this, is like al- this is like almost there, right? If you didn't yeah. have the zones there, this would be an open world game. And, much, uh, yeah. I think there would be like a much stronger game if it was that. Anyways, but... I think that ties into a good thing, that um, a big thing that I wanted to talk about, which um, both of us to different degrees had a bit of an issue with the localization. Is that fair to say? or? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. You said it was uh, fine for the most part, and can you tell me what you thought of it first? Because I like, uh, like it, th- this takes a few hours to like really, you know. Uh, as I played more through the game, I'm like, okay, I, I can see where they're coming from, but it reminds me uh, this not so not so much of the Persona Five situation. That one was a little bit more severe, but you can definitely tell that when Xseed localizes games, they kind of add their own touch to it. A lot of like, you know, uh, playful tone, a lot of uh, kind of spicing up the text. Uh, you know, and this one, Nice America played it safe since it's their first time kind of working with Falcom. Makes so it's sense. very much like, you know, uh, uh, a very more straight to the point, uh, even generic, uh, let's say, uh, localization. It's like, it's, so it's okay. It gets there. It gets a point across, but it's not like, you know, you don't have like these accents that are kind of played into the script itself. That's so to a, lot, to a lot of, to, yeah, to a lot of people that'll feel, you know, like dry, yeah, I definitely agree that it feels dry. I wouldn't agree that it's a better uh, better translation than Persona 5's. Um, I actually dis- would disagree strongly with that, because Persona 5, most of the time, you could tell that they tried to edit it, and I'm not sure if this is a bit harsh, but sometimes, especially later on in these eight, like Chapter 4, right around there, I felt like every other sentence almost, it was like, did, did they edit this? Like, there was some weird sentences, especially around there, and I don't know. It's funny. I mean, it's funny how I'm sorry to cut in when you guys are in this discussion, but it's kind of funny when you think about Nice America obviously being like the Disgaea series. It's full of great humor and good mm-hmm. vocalization. Yeah. And all. Especially Disgaea 1 was like that great title that everyone kind of fell in love with. A lot of it had to do with the writing. So, like, clearly this is something new to them. Uh, like, there's not a whole lot of other series you can really point to and say, you know, this is kind of similar to East 8 or like the East series in general that Nice America's localized because most of their titles are off the wall 
kind of over the top design and yet you've got this game which is a little more street laced even if it's got some funny moments uh it's still very much a japanese title and all a jrpg as yeah. it were but this is uh the tone is different and the style is different so i'm curious to see like uh how they're going to feel about that like how uh, what falcon thinks about like the comments that are coming out about the localization too I'm not I sure. I, I, how... I don't know if they care. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, they, they, get the they let the gag, they let the uh, Legend of Heroes um, Gagar trilogy on PSP come out, and those translations are. I don't are think they were happy horrible. about that. I don't think they were happy about that actually, because they obviously won't work with Bandai Namco anymore with that stuff. So yeah. I, I think until they see like a like, if they actually see a trend where like, say that for example, for for instance, East Eight and Tokyo Zandu sell severely less than they would like on their like past titles with Xseed, maybe they can see a correlation there. But until like the numbers say so, they don't I, I can't imagine they really uh, give a shit. Yeah. Well speak speaking I'm sorry, uh James. Uh, I just wanted to quickly ask like what was the feeling about the Tokyo Xanadu localization with Axis? Do you know Um I definitely say that both the translations were rushed. Um but Axis is kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum where in some parts, it was over-edited, and you had some things that were kind of out there and didn't feel the like The personality didn't, didn't come yeah. through, right? I heard about that, yeah. Whereas Ease 8, it's like it's dry, and in some cases, like, there's one character specifically I can point to, and it's like, okay, I can tell they definitely put a lot of editing into this one character, but for the most part, it's like if some characters were edited, now granted, there are some characters that even in the Japanese version, they're kind of straight to the point, like Hummel's a good example of this, mm-hmm. but... For the most part, definitely you can tell in the um, in Tokyo Zanadu they put a lot more effort into like kind of punching up the dialogue with characters, and it like we've already said the dialogue in Ezate is very very dry in the translation. Even if the characters themselves in the Japanese version were a lot more interesting, and that's one of the reasons why I've been very concerned about comments from other reviews saying that stories that, that the story and the characters were generic or not interesting because I I mean. I played the original Japanese beta release. I've played through the game like three times now. I know these characters. I know in the Japanese release, those characters are a lot more interesting than the translation kind of portrays them. And that's kind of why I feel a bit more strongly that this is an outright bad translation in a lot of ways. I think that's a little harsh, but like obviously it's gonna they have to change some of the things. It probably doesn't come through as well. But I can't speak for it. Obviously, only Josh can in this in this group. So. I don't want to be negative because, again, it is a big game. It's NS America's first time working on it. It's just it's disappointing because you go from XC where pretty much everyone agrees they've done a fantastic job on Falcom localizations. And then NS America, it's like it's just that same. I, I really don't want to be mean, but that same quality just isn't there. It's really not. I, I, it's 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 a different values right because yeah uh, like we're so accustomed to like how xc does it that it's kind of the the it's already stacked against this america i mean you have one side that are very into the falcom end of things like the the falcom community it's like they're they're so used to what xc does that anything that isn't by xc standards it's already like almost dismissed like uh, even to the point that you'll have extremists going, just play the Japanese version instead. You, like you know, for people who don't understand Japanese, it's like, wait, what? And then you have yeah. the other side of people who kind of still have the stench of like PS2, early PS3 days of Nisa, who have you know all kinds of problems technically, 
plus kind of shoddy localization work as well. Like the Nice America has never been able to like really fully shake off their, you know, their early days when it came to that stuff. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's perfectly fine in English. You know, we can play it, you can understand it, uh, yeah. wh- whether how much you, you cherish these characters, you know, is up to a personal, you know, basis. And I can totally understand where you're coming from. So yeah, and that's that why that's I, that's why I tried to... you have the, because you have the history with that. Yeah, and that's why I tried to kind of disconnect my view on the localization from my review. I only had like two sentences about it, and I wasn't really making a huge, huge deal about it. I said it should have been better, which I stand by. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's definitely room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's going to have a different reaction to the localization. So I feel like people are going to miss out on some of the characterization of some characters, and there's just some things that are really oddly translated, like. A big problem I think everyone can agree on is the translation isn't consistent, and that's a big problem. Um, a good example would be um, they changed Donna's name or last name in the English version to Ikaruja instead of Ikusha, but in the soundtrack that comes with the first edition of the game, they still have the her kind of like almost song when you first play her, Ikusha Dance, still called Ikusha Dance, which... I don't know. And then there's differences. Like, it's not that they put a value on it being dry. I don't think they were trying to go for that. Because, again, there's like this one character, Kleena, where some of her dialogue is very much not how she was in the original version. It's very, um, I wouldn't say very punched up, but you can tell that there was some effort putting in, put in to make her sound more interesting. And it's worth noting that there was, I believe, four separate editors on the project, which is pretty ridiculous when you're talking about a single game. I mean, you, say, you said it was a gigantic game for the most yeah, part. Yeah, but so uh, Charles of Cold Steel had two editors. Yeah, but uh, once again, you know, I mean, I, I hate to be like, I'm not trying to too hard to like defend East America or anything like that, but you know, I would imagine the reason they have four editors is because like they're unfamiliar with the series. They don't, they need people to do the research. Yeah, it's, to like keep I said, it's, it's weird. It, it's weird to like, uh, like compare that one but one to one, you know, different yeah, companies yeah. operate different ways they want to do it's the it, best that they can do in a localization because they need yeah. serious yeah. if you slash the, like, the editors in half it's like are you guaranteeing a better game or not i'm just saying it's harder to maintain consistency when you have too many cooks in yeah. the pot I, it's it's I like, like that's five, right? that's that, what that's five. yeah but that's that's easy to say from our perspectives right because we're not part of that company we don't work for them we so, don't yeah. know so I, I mean i don't want to spend too much time on this game i don't mean to yeah. like dismiss the yeah. comments here but i know that you guys are no, going to discuss this being negative. no yeah. no 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 uh, definitely i mean it's fine this is important thought. yeah there, there's important to discuss don't uh, don't feel bad about it I, no. I i welcome it i mean there there are definitely you know there are hard times in that game where i'm just like the way they worded things like there's a location in that game they ch- uh, chose to translate it as archaeozoic big hole, big hole. That was and, a big thing that... and i was like I was, um, okay <laughs> you could probably have done a little bit better guys I'll, I'll be completely honest i was mostly okay with the translation until i got there and then it's like okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the big hole part was like well i mean yes that is certainly <laughs> um, a big hole but <laughs> yeah put in perspective that same area was called crevice of the archaeozoic era in the japanese release oh that's <laughs> okay. that's even weird okay oh, <laughs> uh, i I just know that you guys are going to have a lot of the stuff that you want to discuss on that cast anyway. Yeah, if it, yeah. If it happens. but, yeah. but yeah. I, I wanted I to. Say, like, I, will, I will say that the beyond that, you know, to me, there are bigger problems with that game than just you know localization. That's just not on that's my fair. It's that's a core fair. core game issue. I yeah. mean, it, it is still a very very fun game. Like Hummel in that game is one of my favorite. Has been one of my favorite East characters to control. He's a, he wields a bayonet, and his whole play style and moveset is like it's very snappy. 
and very fun to use. The, the gaming yeah. overall looks like it's a it's a blast to play. From what mm-hmm. I got to see at Enemy Expo, but uh, I I just I wanted to quickly touch on like mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, I think the first East game Xseed worked on was E7 uh, several years ago. Like that was their first actual. Uh, uh, attempt at the series um yes in general i know that you know east othenfeld ghana and one and two chronicles those came like months later like not, i yes. think it was might have been like in the same like 12 month period or something like that uh yeah like, in the, not calendar year but like i think it was like early the following year when the rest of it came out but um what was uh i mean i don't like i said i don't want to spend too much time on this but what was the general consensus on the localization for that particular game on the psp yes. E7 had some issues, um, but for the most part was fine. Like yeah. even the uh, main person on that translation, um, Tom from Xseed, has said that there were some things that he wished that he could change, which is why there's actually an upgrade. There is an update to the localization in the PC version, kind of fixing some of the problems. That yeah, it's perspective, right? Yeah, that yeah. Makes, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to justify anything that East yeah. America have done because I mean they've had years of doing research on what Xseed's already done, and they can take from their efforts. But uh, it's just something to kind of think about um and i'm sure you guys will be doing plenty of that uh especially with the when you get to see like other people's reactions when the game finally comes out yeah that's what i'm really interested it's like you know i'm kind of i really want to see just like the general consensus uh just like you know like a a week or so after launch on this like how do people exactly what happened with persona 5 everyone thought it was was all right then you see like this weird uh, backlash or at least because it's it's a a weird thing right like we, we review games so you know, we're kind of on a deadline, on a deadline as well. Yeah, so, tunnel vision. Uh, like you know, a lot, a lot of people will, you know, kind of skim dialogue just to get get through the game. And obviously, you know, that in an ideal world, we'd be taking the time, you know, to kind of analyze each and every single like you know line and line in a game, like saying, okay, does this make sense? This overall like you know flow, am I okay with the way the, this was this was handled? And I, to, I might know, have been doing that. <laughs> yeah, you know, until, until a lot of people, like a lot of people, won't really notice that like. This went over from XC to Nisa, like, because you know when when you're really disengaged with the gaming industry, the that those points are much much more obvious than like just a casual you know Falcom fan is like, hey, I play like you know Falcom games, but they don't really you know pay attention to the dialogue in them, and to them you know they'll, they'll be perfectly fine with that because I can understand the game. That's what's important to me. Yeah. Then then move along on that end. I will say on a final note that I feel mm-hmm. like if there's going to be negativity, there will there will be some for localization because. It's already happening. All, yeah. yeah, for all the problems I have with Finance <laughs> America, I mean, people are almost like happy to just rip into their translations as soon as they come out. It's like people seem to derive some joy out of it, which I might have some problems with the localization, but that's just kind of not cool. But um, the one I thing I could be talking to... about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wonder uh, what you could I'm... be insinuating for a particular very popular RPG that we just mentioned a little bit ago. Yeah, uh, um, yeah I know what you mean. Though is um, technically it's under NDA. I won't talk about who's been talking about who's been saying this to me. But I've seen a couple of different accounts that um, at least the the state it is in right now, the PC version might not be a good launch. So if there's going to be any negativity, that's probably where it's going to be. Yeah, hopefully that. they get that ironed out for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean they still got some time, a couple of weeks. Excuse me, like a little over a week to yeah. get out a patch or something like that. Because that's they've done that before. I mean we know I, we I understand that. From what I've been hearing about, I'm not sure how much it can fix in the time they have. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Okay, so yeah. the, when this game comes out, that won't be the end of it. They can always patch it after launch as well. The, I'm not yeah. saying that's like it, it's a it's a great thing no. to like you know, launch in a very broken state, but it's not like 
okay, if they don't get it out by that time, then this whole thing is fucked. Like, there's no way to, like, you know, fix it. Exactly, exactly. I I definitely think, like you guys have said, the real test for how the localization stacks up in the general populace is just going to be seeing how people react to it at launch. Yeah, and, and, you know, and make your voices heard as well. If you have a problem with it, uh, you know, let Nisa know. I mean, and. Hopefully or, that, that there'll be something in the future that you know that they'll amp it up or maybe release a patch like you know fix things, you know just don't, don't keep silent say, um, if you have if you have a problem with it. Sorry, um, I'd also say let Falcom know because they actually their um, official store like actually ha- um, supports international like shipments and they have English support there, so they probably understand what if you had some concerns like if you sent them an email in English or. Maybe got some like Japanese in there if you wanted. If you want to, they'd probably hear those concerns if you sent them an email too. Sure. So, mm. sure. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think they would. Uh, the yeah, the thing is that obviously Falcom would uh, assist Nice America or Exceed or Axis whenever it comes to like real core issues because they can help on that stuff. But uh, it seems like the PC side of things though can be kind of different. It seems uh, like that's more like on Nice America directly mm-hmm. though. But for, but for Falcom, just in general, like at the end of the day like the dollar is king like you know they're gonna want you know whoever bids the highest yeah and definitely... uh Cold Steel 3 will witness a, a bid war i'm sure yeah i, I imagine that yeah. oh be, gosh so let's mo- let's go ahead and move on then because uh, we spent Dude. a good amount of time talking about that i know you guys are gonna spend a lot of time talking about it on a future podcast so uh people who want to know about more about the game uh don't fret we'll have a uh, plenty to talk about at that point uh, so let's move on. Josh, I know you've been mm-hmm. playing a little bit of Tokyo Dark, which is the Square Enix Collective adventure game that's got a really cool style to it. I saw yeah. it when it was first uh, sort of uh, um, brought <laughs> up by um, Square Enix, uh, especially with their with their Kickstarter stuff. Uh, so what's your opinion about so far? It looks really cool. Yeah, so this is a uh, developer's name uh, for behind this project is Cherry Mochi, and as you said, they're part of the Square Enix Collective, which also came out with Children of the Zodiacs, I believe. Yeah, that was part of that program. Yes. So it's very much uh, an adventure game, but if you're a fan of Eternal Darkness, and even if you've played a little visual novel called uh, Chaos Head, it's definitely up your alley. It's a psychological th- thriller. You play this detective. Her name is Ito Ayami, uh, part of the Tokyo Police Department. And she's kind of investigating this case in which, and there's this kind of minor spoilers because this happens at the very, very beginning of the, the game. This kind of the premise of it, where like um, her her husband uh, is kind of, you know, killed off by this uh, a woman who they failed to save like several months ago. So it's kind of a uh, supernatural elements. And there as well, it's like kind of like why is this uh, woman named Reina hunting uh, haunting me? And such, and she's trying to get to like the bottom of this of like this whole conspiracy. Uh, I'm not too far into the game yet, uh, but it has some really really neat systems in it for an adventure game. Uh, there's this uh, system called the spin system, and you kind of have stats uh, to play with in this game uh, depending on how how you play. Uh, since you're an investigator, you'll be uh, going up to people, asking them various questions, very light puzzle elements on, like, say, how to, like, enter this door or where the, where's the key to, you know, to, to access it. Um, and the spin system has uh, four stats. Uh, the sanity, professionalism, investigative skill, and neurosis. And uh, the neat thing about this is uh, when you talk to an NPC multiple times, you know, like how in like RPGs or in adventure games, 
they had to use talk to a person like a second or third time just to see if they had like a little bit more info that they can give you or they say something different. This game kind of punishes you in that because every time you do that, it'll pump up that neurosis stat up. And what neurosis uh, this neurosis stat uh, does is that you'll be more uh, susceptible to driving uh, uh, driving down your sanity in that because you're kind of like. Oh. scared that you like you didn't get anything from them nice. so that actually makes sense yeah yeah so and the lower your sanity is the more you'll get like see like hallucinations in the environment that you normally wouldn't see if you're like a, a you know fair mindset and like if you if you drive down your hallucination uh, your sanity too much like you get like a like a breakdown of the character like she, she'll look she'll visibly look like more insane the lower her sanity goes so it's kind of crazy. So there's a little bit of like light horror aspects in this from what I've seen so far. Obviously, the professionalism, professionalism and investigative skill kind of tie into each other. In investigations, like how well are you doing your job? And professionalism is like the manner you're doing it. Are you like using, say, are you being like flirtatious with this person to get info? And that, that drives down your professionalism. Uh, while, you know, higher professionalism means like, you know, others will like see you differently, like respect you. So, you know, since you can tackle situations very differently, the supposedly there's like at least like you know ten different endings to this game, oh, wow. uh, based on how well you know you you played your uh, uh, played your route, uh, and also kind of to balance out your your sanity, uh, you have like these like meds or pills that you can take that like um, will kind of stabilize you, but. If if you do that, you might miss uh, some things in the environment that you can only see sane like, or insane. Yeah, so there might be like clues that might be necessary for investigation that you can only see when you're in a more tilted, you know, mindset. So there's it's a really very like just interesting game that I'm uh, very eager to get back to. But that's kind of uh, what I've seen so far in the system, like a few hours in, and it's there, there's there's such an, a real like neat vibe to it that as you mentioned earlier zach has a real like clean look to its art style mm-hmm. but also its music as well it's very atmospheric uh just kind of it, it's very you know like when you're walking down this like this tokyo street like uh, it's a dark ringing night like the it's kind of just you feel immersed in that environment so i think like the best like conditions to play this is like in a dark place uh but with headphones on it's a it's a very very uh special adventure game that i'm very very excited to see how it plays out i think the the whole sanity thing uh is kind of cool because i i do like eternal darkness yeah so just seeing more games kind of uh dip into that and kind of mixing it up with the adventure style uh it does a good I'm, job I'm, at like subverting also, your expectations really about mm-hmm. what you can expect from an indie game like those visuals yeah. are so smooth yeah i know a lot of people will like, get tripped up like driving up there and they're doing your roses stat because they're going to keep on, you know, talking to the same NPC. It's like, why is this stat going up? Only to like suffer, like, you know, <laughs> the consequences later on that. So I think that was a really cool uh, idea of like, kind of like slapping your heads, like, no, you can move on. It's okay. You'd have to talk to this person 10 times, hoping they'll <laughs> say something different. That's the worst, right? Like I, I, yeah. I think it was, um, Panzer Dragoon Saga actually had it where like you had to talk to a person multiple times and hear the same repeated dialogue and then on the the, the, the fourth or fifth time they give you an item. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. I hate that <laughs> mechanic, right? Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. Oh. So bad. But yeah, that's uh I'll probably uh get a uh, pump out a review for that uh, once I 
explore a bit more of that and see what other endings have for me. Cool. Uh, well, for me, it's been uh, still the same as before, Utoro Romano, Mask of Deception. Um, just wrapping things up because this isn't a spoiler, but once you beat the game, there's a bonus uh, um, bonus thing that you get to uh, that adds, uh, you can, like, it's post-game content where it's 16 new, uh, new uh, stages, but they're all basically, you're going back to the old sta- uh, old maps, basically, and, and you're getting new challenges. And so it's it's all just, you know, the same monsters and things like that that you fought before but higher levels and so uh that's what i'm doing i'm on the last last bonus mission uh and so i'm facing a character who's at max level i said a picture to you guys what happened uh on on, on discord but yeah so i had um whittled i had destroyed all the other minions uh for this character and then uh this one of the hardest enemy in the game um the artist enemy in the level uh, was chasing me around the stage and I was trying to get away because I've got like a character who's sort of weak, but she uh, can do a lot of damage from a range like with her magic. And so I kept trying to be uh, flying away and I got the character killed her, uh, killed the boss, but she had this thing that made her revive to one HP. And so uh, she was standing right next to me and ended up killing me. <laughs> so oh no, uh, I did a really good job up to that point. And I'm thinking about because re- you can rewind. That's I talked about this before, and especially yeah. in a review, you can rewind and there's no penalty at all. You just can't, of course, go forward. You can only go backwards. So it's a great way, especially if you missed your mistimed your combos, because uh, there's like a uh, there's a you have to time your button presses and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, here it's yeah, it's trying to keep away from this person, and this the other person is like eighty two hundred HP, and I'm only doing about like you know a thousand maybe, and so Ooh. that sounds like a lot, but it takes a lot of work when you're being attacked by the other characters, the other um, enemies that are on the screen, and so you're just trying to deal with them first. So uh, I want to do that. I've got Mask of Truth all downloaded. I've got to move on to that afterwards. Uh, apparently, it's about at least this is what it said in the in the the uh, email that I got eighty plus hours. <laughs> so, um, which is like uh, was it uh, Tears to Tiara? I think it was. Uh, I think that was the what the game yeah, was called. Tears to Tiara too. Yeah, the, the other Tiara too. Localization. That's, that's an eighty hour uh, uh, strategy game, and so I'm just now realizing how much i've got ahead of me but for the people you know technically i was supposed to review sometime next week i don't know if i'll get to that i want to give it the proper uh, attention because uh mask of deception i really really did pick up towards the end of the story and so i think it would be a big disservice if i didn't at least try to get to the end of the mask of truth especially because this is a two-parter mask of deception falls right into mask of truth and the way that deception uh, leaves off it's a huge cliffhanger and so I really want to uh, spend the time and, and really beat it and give my full thoughts on what the game will be mm-hmm. like. Um, clearly, you know, I've got, you know, I got my day job and I've got a, a, a little bit of a social life that I have to uh, experience first before I can actually uh, get sit down and play this game. But uh, that's the beauty about having a three-day weekend uh for us in America with Labor Day, so I can actually focus on beating deception, moving on to truth, and putting my all into it. So, just a, a thing about that. Other than that, it's it's I haven't really been playing anything else. I do want to get to Sonic Mania because we've got that. That came out a few days ago on PC. Thank God, finally. Um, I've avoided most of the spoilers, and then uh, got so much other stuff to look forward to. I've got 
I've got so many other games I've got to review up in the wings. We've got like, you know, Mary Skelter's coming up, uh, Warriors Lost Stars, uh, and so much more. But uh, just This month that, is just insane yeah, for game releases. <laughs> there's a lot of content coming up, and it's exciting, mm-hmm. especially because it's been somewhat... Uh, the last month has been pretty light, and so a lot of stuff that people look forward to. So let's go ahead and get to the news then. Uh, so first off... Uh, just the other day, was it just yesterday, I think, yeah, uh, Nintendo held their Nindies stream, uh, which is Nintendo Indie Games, so clearly they picked up the, um, picked up the baton after Sony dropped it, <laughs> uh, for focusing on independent games and trying to get a lot of their, uh, titles released on the platform. Of course, independent games are still coming out on Xbox and on Sony, but Sony doesn't like to really, you know, promote them too much, uh, outside of their social media accounts and so nintendo is clearly trying to sort of fill in the gaps of releases for their big titles and so there's some really cool stuff they showed off here uh two of the games that we sort of uh took a lot of appreciation for uh when we got to see that is one was golf story which is this really cool looking golf game that's got rpg style exploration it's all you know 2d sprite based and it's really high quality sprite work as well did you guys get a chance to see that Oh, I've I, been excited for that game since it was announced. Yeah, me too. Because... Yeah, I, saw, I saw the review. I didn't uh, see too much of the the new info or the new look on it, but it still looks lovely. It's amazing, yeah. especially with the environmental hazards and stuff like that. Like you're hitting yeah. across some uh, like a big lake, and then a alligator just leaps up and catches your yeah. ball out of the air. Which is so, so you're, you're not like you're not you're not like like playing like a standard game of golf, right? You're just you're utilizing golf to like kind of get around. I yeah, think? it's it's a mixture. Yeah. It's like you're basically. A, going through different environments and things like that and it's not your typical golf course uh you know there is like a place you start and there's a a green and all that a fairway uh but a lot of it is sort of in the middle of these different environments that you're part of like a forest or it's kind of like miniature golf to get around pretty much yeah Yeah. Uh, okay i think the most apt comparison would be did either of you play mario golf on the game boy color or the sequel on the Uh game Boy advance yeah Yeah, yeah. it's basically a very spiritual successor to those which i've i mean i've played one exactly one mario sports game besides like mario kart and that was Mario Golf Advance Tour on the Game Boy Advance. And ever since, there, any Mario Golf game has not had that RPG mode, which yeah. was the main reason <laughs> a, why I really liked that game. It's a big bummer. I, I'm totally with you on that. That was easily the most... Uh the funnest part about that because that's kind of what this game has as well where you can unlock new clubs and um new techniques and stuff like that level so up character, yeah. yeah you level up your character as well and like we said you know there's like rpg style exploration so you're running around towns talking to npcs and uh, and going to stores all that kind of stuff and so yeah it's 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 pretty amazing and so far i think it's only been really announced for the switch uh, did they say anything it's about PC? exclusive it's True Switch exclusive. True Switch exclusive. Damn. For now. That should be that should be like their headline. True Switch exclusive. Oh, like God. how uh, Xbox does their worldwide premiere. Yeah. Oh God. Xbox exclusive, <laughs> quote unquote. Uh, so I'm yeah. really excited for it. It's, yeah, it's looks, the game I would pick great. up if I bought a Switch for sure. Like I'd I'd buy that day one. You know. That's um, uh, no concrete release date yet. Just no. sometime in September this month. Yeah, oh, they man. did say summer, but that's so they got two weeks to release it, I guess. Right? Yeah. Hopefully, it doesn't end up like Pocket Rumble, where they said, "Oh, it's going to be coming out in April," and we're still waiting for a release date for that. Oh yeah, man. I totally forgot about that game. You reminded of Pocket Fight, that new Pocket Fighter on mobile, and I got really, really sad. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Hopefully, it does come out this month because, well. 
could really film again. Do I want it to come out this month? Because there's so many other games already. I don't is know. There any there's Switch a lot games, of games, though? I mean, like, is there anything else uh, as far as the Switch is? Because, like, every um, time I Pokemon... see Nintendo download, I get kind of disappointed and I don't see anything. Uh, Pokemon Tournament DX. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Stardew Valley guys just submitted for uh, certification testing. So yes. that might come out early next month or late this month. Um, I definitely say after the really jam-packed like July and August um, this month, it's definitely more of a focus on the smaller games. October is going to be huge for the Switch because you have Mario Odyssey. You've got, um, you've got. Oh yeah, Fire the Fire, Fire Emblem Warriors. Warriors in Japan comes out this at the end of this month. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's true. Aside from Trolls of Cold Steel Three, people <laughs> wanted yeah. apparently. Yeah. Yeah, oh, oh gosh, that's going to be so long. It's going to be great. Like you've got all these other games that are kind of getting in the way of what the Switch wants to put out, so it's probably not a bad idea that they're kind of taking a step back and focusing and then, on you know what, people who wanted Xenoverse Two, Dragon yeah. Ball Xenoverse Two on Switch that's coming out as well. There's games coming out, just nothing like specifically you can point to and be like, "That's the big game this month." I'd oh, say. I, I forgot to mention that I. I, I totally forgot i did this but i uh i thought i forgot i pre-ordered yakuza kiwami and so that showed up on tuesday i was like oh that's right because <laughs> it was 30 yeah. bucks i was like why not for the steelbook and i got it for you know with the prime stuff it was 24 dollars. like yeah sure i got oh, i got man. a charge for like 37 bucks like one day i'm like what the fuck is this it says <laughs> amazon and then like looking around i get an email from amazon japan of course it's like the new kazuma kaneko art book i'm like oh oh yeah that's you, right you took some you showed some pictures that's about right that. yeah the <laughs> yeah. the uh, the mega uh, Shimigami Tensei artist. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. that's oh, yeah. pretty, pretty awesome. And I actually, another thing that you reminded me about the about the delay and all that was like, t- did you see like a couple weeks ago, Summon Night Six got delayed again because they failed certification. <laughs> Oh shit! That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I was like on August seventeenth. Whenever, uh, whenever I look, whenever I uh, write up the release date calendars for our Discord, like I always have to like look, uh, what's the status of Summon Night Six? Because I put it on this like before, and then they fucking delete it again. So is it coming out this month? The next month? I don't know. It's it's a huge thing. Oh hey, there's actually a uh, an update as of yesterday. Let me just read this off. Oh, so. Okay. okay. Oh. Okay, I'll, I'll just briefly go over this. This is September 1st, 2017 was the update. So they have the revised ROMs, which, you know, the ROMs were what actually caused problems because they were shipped their own ROMs to begin with, not what's okay. called the original delay a couple months ago. It was supposed to be out back in, like, the first quarter, and then it was delayed to May and so on. Um, so uh, they got it from Ben and Amco Entertainment, who was the original publishers in Japan for this game, uh, uploading them to Sony so they'll be ready for the QA approval process, which they failed before, which I think was about the... I think there was, like, bugs and things like that that were causing the problems. It wasn't, like, a bigger problem than that. So it says they both North American and European releases will be tested, so we should have a close to simultaneous release physically and digitally in North America, as well as digitally on PSN in Europe. A first for us. Yeah, I don't remember the last time they've done that. Um, so, and they just say, you know, the pre-order soundtrack premiums are in manufacture for GameStop and going out next week with the runs for distributors shortly thereafter. It'd be a good idea to get your pre-order for either version of the game, of course. Uh, so, Wait, wait then, so are they, they're selling the soundtrack of Summon Night 6 first? It's it's the pre-order bonus that you got. Oh, uh, so, okay. Yeah, it's it's the premium version. You got the pre-order soundtrack. You know, GameStop sometimes just like, kind of gives it to yeah. you. <laughs> that's yeah. That's what I'm expecting. What that is, uh, and it just kind of says here. Yeah, you're going to your soundtrack. Will be first in your block to show off a current generation game with respectable, giant physical manual packed in. That's actually one of the more interesting things. I, I was curious yeah. about getting the physical version of Summon Night Six just because it's a giant, uh, physical manual. You know. Uh, and so, yeah. and yeah, it, it, there's no uh, real word about release date. It, obviously, it has to pass QA, but, you know, 
uh, if they failed the first time, I'm sure it's like now they can finally get through it all. Yeah. Uh, all what the if best they fail a second time? I mean, it's Vic Ireland. Like... I feel like I don't know where he gets his money. <laughs> so, like, I yeah. don't know how he survived this on on just, you know, because he got Summon Night 6. Last game was what, like, he still got Class of Heroes 3. I think he's still working on, too. Uh, so, I don't know how he gets. I, maybe a strategy got to be, like, only, like, three or four people on the company. <laughs> yeah. I, I always, it's always of... uh, funny because that always reminds me of, like, when people, like, ask, like, how, where does Discord get their money from? What the fuck? Oh yeah, yeah, Discord especially. They're a small company. I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. they probably just get uh, invest investors to, interested in them, and I think that's kind of like with Vic Ireland. He probably got shoved a lot of money from Ben and Amco to localize this. So now it's like uh, we're still alive, <laughs> uh, considering yeah. he's no longer Whatever got it like takes. yeah, he's, he's you know Gun Ho owns. Uh, working designs not sorry not working designs that's his company game arts so he can't really uh, unless he works closely with them he can't really do anything else he was releasing some of those old playstation games on psn like uh vanguard bandits and all that's like he was helping put those games out but like oh, i wonder weird. if he does a lot of like contract work for localization as well Maybe. getting his, his crazy weird humor <laughs> i mean i i'll be honest i loved um working designs its localizations as even if it was a like, completely blatant and like it's uh totally flies in the face of like the serious conversation we we're having before about efforts and localization with big around it's like you know what i'm just gonna rip up the original script and just do my own localization man that was, yeah. that was those are the days right because <laughs> uh, luna hey, silver star story had a totally off the wall oh, localization. Jesus. yeah it's nowhere near as serious or as as funny as it as it is in uh in the yeah. in the, in the West. Bring back the golden age of localizations. You don't need the original script. Yeah. Oh god. That's like the <laughs> argument about people saying that it needs to be like a street translation. It's like no, it's <laughs> Vic Ireland said it was like, rose like a middle finger to that whole idea a long time ago. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> it was, it was the... It's definitely going to be interesting to see when that game actually comes out because if it's going in certification now, like the earliest you're going to get is like the end of October. Cause I, I just can't wait for the for the videos that come out of it because if the the voice acting you know sample that we got for that game was any indication it's going to be a real special i mean uh, it's 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 on right as they said it's like summer night six is the biggest game vic Island has ever worked on uh (laughs) so i can only assume that yeah it might take a little while for q a but you know i think that for him it'd be better if he came out the game came out in october because the the game was originally supposed to be out in February, and that month was packed. <laughs> so I don't know if he'll be able to survive. He needs the money, so he needs to yeah. hold off just a little bit. But if the soundtracks are going to be out next week and all that stuff, it seems like it's going to be out pretty soon here. I don't think it's going to be at the end of October. Maybe like the first week of October at this rate, but we'll see. Uh, I just felt like bringing that up because I saw the news about that. So yeah, I wonder if um, which is going to come out first the limited run game Skullgirls um, physical release or Summon Night 6 because both of those have been delayed shit. a bunch. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't think they're ever going to get that Skullgirls release at this point. So, oh, gosh. The, I'm still waiting on it. Have that beta version pre-ordered. There reminds me, Skullgirls going free on PS Plus in Japan, I think, either yeah. this month or next month. There you go. It's hu- that game, that series was huge in Japan. Uh, I was surprised to see how, like, people got so into it especially with all the fan art and stuff like that like it's like that in ruby you know it's like it's a western product but it got really big in japan so yeah i'm not too surprised about that uh i want to quickly mention the other game that was also shared at the nintendo indie conference uh dragon mark for death which is the new game from inti creates uh for people who don't know they do a lot of great independent games um 
uh, was it Azure Strike was one of them? Yeah, Azure Strike. They've done yeah. Azure Striker Gunvolt. They did Mighty Gunvolt Burst. Yeah. They've done a lot of work on other games. Like, uh, not sure if we want to mention this because most of their other games are a lot better. Gun. Well, no, I'm not talking about Galgun. <laughs> Bloodstained, um, where they backed out because they got kicked off the project. <laughs> that was another Mighty one. Mighty Number Nine. <laughs> Mighty Number Nine. That's 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 fair. I mean, but they've done some great games, and I think you know yeah, Azure Azure Strike was like them. Like the interesting you know, thing like, about okay, Creates okay. is that they're a Japanese company, but they do their own um, localizations in house, and it's like one person that does the translations. Uh, Matt Papa. It, they're surprised. really interesting. It's not like they're very story driven games to be for the most part, but like the work that they do is pretty amazing. So I'm not, the, I'm, not the, I, I'm amazed at like how fast they've grown. They've, they've they have their own like very much loyal following now. Uh, yeah. Going through it, they, they've risen through the ranks uh, fairly quickly. I'm very impressed with Indie Creates. Yeah, they're they're a nice company. I mean, they're good people. Matt Popper especially. So yeah, I mean that's I think it's great to see some important indie games coming out, and like you mentioned before, Stardew Valley is just another game. Um, My life is over once that yeah. comes out. So. That uh, that <laughs> gunplay want... for Switch is now uh, right. The the Striker Pack. Yeah, it yeah, is, that's it is. out in Japan. I was going to import it, but I talked with them in Amex, but they said they were going to get a physical version. Out oh yeah, that's a, like, in the I think it's October. That yeah, October or November they got somebody. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know what? Either way, it's supporting them, but I'll just get the. Yeah, the version will be cheaper. Yeah. So speaking of Stardew Valley, the creator actually showed off a little bit of his new game. It was just a screenshot, but it's like he talked about it before because I remember him talking that it was going to be like an RPG simulator type of game, which is set in a uh, like a magical school. And so, mm-hmm. are you sure it's Stardew Valley creator, or is it just another project that? Um... No, it's 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 Chucklefish. Uh, no, so... no, no, Chucklefish aren't the developers of Stardew Valley. That's um, Concerned Ape. Oh, Chuckle but they help. They help make it though. I, I yeah. that's yeah, that's true. I uh, so I just know that I uh, that the game that they're showing off though is something that we're clearly uh, going to be. I, I'm personally, I think it looks amazing. It's it's got this great sprite work, and it got it has the Stardew Valley kind of look to it as well. You know, like this yeah. isometric, not isometric, but like a top down sprite game. It kind of reminds me of Little Witch Academia if it was yeah, in pixel art, right. which is yeah. really cool. If yeah. people actually like like uh, pointed out, like there are several characters in that like one little teaser that look like Little Witch Academia. Oh, characters. they totally do. You, on the left side, you can kind of kind of see them. But yeah, I, I was I was I was telling my my buddy, I was like, hey, at least we have two Little Witch Academia. A shot like shots at a, a good game so like if one is bad you can always go to the other and hopefully that's good yeah i mean yeah. a magic school rpg is something that's already sounds pretty damn cool and so i'm, I'm excited to see yeah um, it, it, what's happening it's... right now but i mean yeah i know that they're still working on adding multiplayer to stardew valley as well and uh-huh. i think that that that's supposed to go into testing later this year but uh this I one like... i hope we show we hope we get more about it soon I feel like people actually don't talk about Chucklefish enough because it's really interesting. Like they just popped out of like nowhere with Starbound a few years ago, and now they're releasing some of the most interesting like indie games that people are talking about. Like they're publishing Wargroove. They published Stardew Valley. They did uh, Risk of Rain. They've got a surprisingly. They've been surprisingly. I can't wait for Risk of Rain too. That looks awesome. I don't think they're publishing Risk of Rain. Rain. I think he's actually self-publishing now because he's got enough. Uh, but yeah, either way, so, it's really interesting. Oh, they're actually doing uh, they're partnered with Pocket Rumble too. Well done. Uh, uh, um, but it's very interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. I, to, to be fair, though, the like 
Starbound didn't release at like the best of like notes on that. They had a rough start for sure. But it was very successful. Like it, it sold a million copies on. Yeah, Steam. It, 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 yeah. Eventually got there, but uh, a lot of like they they sold a lot, and then there was like no updates for it the longest time on Starbound. Yeah, yeah. that's that game. They found they fell silent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm sure, like they're getting like hundreds, if not thousands, of emails a day. People yeah. upset about that. I, I think I think they're I think it's stabilized now. I believe. But, yeah, uh, people generally months. agree that Starbound's in a much better state now. But man, Wargroove, Stardew Valley on Switch coming up. Um, obviously, that new game that they're that RPG. It's like really interesting to see how this one company that basically just did Starbound like branched out, and now they're probably one of the bigger indie game publishers out there, at least when it comes to. Um, um, projects like that really interesting to see so speaking of companies that have kind of hopped up out of nowhere uh i don't know if you guys saw this update but little orbit shared their first real update after taking over unsun uh unsun story oh, yeah. tell the guardians which is that old yasumi matsuno project that completed kickstarter at the beginning of 2014 and uh i've been watching the updates for it with play deck and they upset a huge amount of people because they kept putting the project yeah, aside as they focus yeah and so what happened was, um, we mentioned this before, I believe, on the podcast, but Little yeah. Orbit took over the rights to it. Uh, they took over the entire project, really, and they gave their update yesterday about where things are at. And so I wanted to kind of briefly go over what was going on with that. Mm-hmm. And so um, they kind of start off talking about how they couldn't make many changes to the Kickstarter page, uh, you know, to give people an idea about... Oh, what's happening to the project on that? Uh, they did mention that they had to go through 400 unread messages uh, and got through all of them because they wanted to kind of begin with a blank slate. And I, I, I guess it's also important to note that like they couldn't really uh, mingle with the Kickstarter page because it's actually against the terms of, terms of service for Kickstarter. They don't allow yeah. you to do that. Absolutely, because oh. that you know someone could just completely change what the project's yeah. about and just say, "No, this is what the case was all the yeah. whole time." Mm-hmm. Uh, so, some of the things that I thought was kind of interesting is that they Little Orbit. We're trying to reach out to Yasumi Matsuno, Akihiko Yoshida, and Hitoshi Sakamoto, which were all supposed to be tied to the project um, and through you know stretch goals and things like that. And so uh, it's because Matsuno's storyline and design were apparently incomplete, and so they wanted to hear back from him about that stuff, but he hasn't replied yet. I don't know if it's because he's busy with Final Fantasy XIV or he just doesn't care about the project anymore, so he doesn't care. Um, but now they're kind of needing to lock stuff down for the concept because otherwise they won't ever get started. And so they're kind of upfront about that and, and the problems that are causing about that. And so... Um, they did say also that they're trying to be careful about the stuff that they share with with the public because they want to leave some surprises because Kickstarter, I think that you have to find that balance for sure about either being too open versus uh, too close, especially with how Unsense Story went. So they kind of yeah. need to be careful about that. Uh, they did mention something which was I thought was pretty cool. Uh, you know, a lot of people wanted this to just be sort of a copy of Final Fantasy Tactics, but they said that they didn't want to really copy that because uh, I'm sure there's like some legal reasons for that as well. Um, but they wanted to focus on a new design that took inspiration from Metsuno's old works. And they said how that the Final Fantasy Tactics modding community apparently approached them, expressing how they wanted to get involved with the development about that. And so... Uh, they did mention that uh, they did uh, took a lot of them on and put them under NDA, but they uh, also said that it's still going to be a 3D game. Like the game, I mean, the project was going to be a 3D game. That's how it was. Uh, promote, it was pitched. Yeah, that's the word. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people, I think, wanted like that, that 2D pixel art, but you know, that's not going to happen. And yeah. 
and it's it's just been kind of fascinating to see like some of the stuff that they're talking about how that they they said this before but they basically said that um they didn't like how uh the play deck was sort of trying to change the concept of the game as it got, after it got funded obviously that's very misleading and uh clearly is not something that the people that funded the project really wanted and so they are said that they're kind of starting things over from scratch and they're reconstructing a lot of the stuff that the game is all about and how they uh, wanted to make something that that the fans of Yasumi Matsuno really wanted to see out of this out of this game enough and so they're sort of um doing their best to make sure that they're as uh, you know, public about a lot of the stuff. They're updating frequently about what's happening with the project, but they wanted to make some that's as as they're personally big fans of Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Ogre and such. They wanted to make something that's way more about what the campaign originally promised. So that's I think that's, that's something worth. I think it's worth us talking about here. Yeah, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a good like you know they they're already starting yeah. at like at the back of the finishing line. They have to earn back all the like all the goodwill that was lost. Yeah, so. You know, so I'm not even at this point, at this point you have to start over. finish this game now because from what I remember reading of the gaff read a, a few weeks ago, this company they is... don't have any money for this. No, I think yeah. they already said that. I think they actually yeah. mentioned here it's that they're not uh, using any of the Kickstarter the funds because like uh, Play Creates like they spent it all, so they have like they're not to say they don't have any money, but they have, they have to use like their own funds, not the Kickstarter funds. Yeah, and that's not so really. Necessarily I think about... it's fair to say that at this point, it's very much a passion project. Yeah, so that's for clearly, sure. That's clearly what it is. But at the same time, I think that you know, um, it's as if they started a new project, but they're on slightly better footing because they've got material to work with, as opposed to having to create something completely original from yeah. the very beginning. And you know, this is a company that was very much in the mobile market, kind of like Playdeck, but Playdeck was having its own big problems before they even started this Kickstarter project. Um, clearly, they were about to be shut down sometime uh, a year or two ago. So it's they've been clearly in a bad space for a while now. For them, it's like they've got stuff to work on. And it's crazy because um, I think there was an interview that they had. I think it was uh, US Gamer had it uh, where they were kind of uh, doing something pretty insane about taking a project with this much, much toxicity around it and trying to uh-huh. make it their own. Uh, uh-huh. But for what it's worth, th- there seems to be a lot of outpouring support from backers, from the rest of the community, from developers about them w- being willing to do something like this. It's pretty amazing. After three years of almost, almost four years, in fact, about uh, hearing little to nothing about what's happening, um, if you go through at least the comments, there's been just a lot of goodwill for them, a lot of positive vibes directed at Little yeah. Orbit. So the only thing, of course, is that if they don't do anything about it, then uh, clearly it's going to kind of really damage them from a PR standpoint. So we'll see. Yeah, but, uh, you know, best of luck to them. That's, yes. uh, they have a monumental task Absolutely. Yeah. ahead of them. It would be great if they make a fantastic game in the end. It's just going to be really interesting to see how it that, That'd be the comeback story of the century. Just like oh, FF it's Final Fantasy XIV Realm Reborn, <laughs> but it's Unsense Story of Realm Reborn. But that in the, uh, at least fourteen actually came out, so I think there's a little difference there. Uh, but we'll see. You know, Maybe it'll be like, it'd be a completely transformation, but I'm just happy to see that they're, it seems like they really get it. They get what the fans wanted, and it's which is weird when you think about like, I thought that everyone understood that, you know, that principle about what why people bid on the project in the first place. And I kind of hope that 
uh, Matsuno and the rest do get back to Little Orbit because I'd, I'd love to see them still working together on that project mm-hmm. instead of it just being only them. Because even if uh, the, the the CEO of Little Orbit and the rest of the team are on about that, and you said is like James said, it's a passion project. Um, it's still it'd still be great to see them working side by side and and releasing this important project together on this. So as uh, as opposed to it just being a credit for Matsuno and that's yeah. it. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> I want him to be like a producer at least. But we'll find out because uh, they just shared the news about that Final Fantasy fourteen um, uh, Ivelisse return to Ivelisse, uh, uh raid that's coming out soon for fourteen. So like you said, it's, he's got his hands full. It seems like he's going to be with the company and he might uh, might be making a return to Square Enix, but we'll see um, a bigger return. But that's yet to be seen. Mm-hmm. But. I figured let's go ahead and move on to the other news, though, as we got off on that tangent. I, I figured it was worth <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, another big piece of news was uh, Fatex Stella Link. Now, Josh, you know way more about this than I do. <laughs> yeah, the Fatex Stella Link is the sequel to, wow, it just came out, it actually came out this year, January's uh, Fatex Stella. And this will have, you know, there's the details are still sparse, but they did confirm that all the returning, all the characters in the first one will be returning. So there's like 16 off the right, off the bat. And they uh, unveiled a new servant in it uh, of the Saber class, uh, Charlemagne, as you may know. And uh, they haven't, uh, oddly enough, they haven't listed any platforms yet, so we actually don't know where this is coming from. But they did release a few screenshots, and it does look a lot better than the, the first game. They're kind of they're kind of making a big focus on like tightening it up, uh, saying, "Hey, we saw your feedback. We know that you know the character models in the first one weren't that uh, amazing. So we'll see uh, what happens here." Uh, I'm willing I'll, to bet. I'm willing to bet it's going to be on Switch and PS4 at least. I think so too. That's what I'm saying. That's why I don't. I'm think guessing no Vita release this time around because there's a reason they released Fate Stella so quickly on the Switch. So yeah. I, I always forget that they they, they released the first Fate Stella on Switch. It wasn't that long ago too. Yeah, it's also yeah. on PC. So at yeah. least the Western release will probably go on PC because Fate Stella did fairly well on Steam, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. So that's all we know for now. It's just like a logo, some characters. Then characters returning, and it it looks like it'll still be like uh, that uh, Dynasty Warriors esque game, so it's like a one versus many kind of deal. Just I'm alright with that. That was okay, but you know, Fatex style link. Uh, hopefully, we'll have more info soon. Probably a TGS, I imagine. Yeah, I like the, I like the character designs. They look pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to briefly mention that uh, we talked about this before, but the Good Life from Swery's company, uh, White Owls, mm. that actually just went up on Fig. Uh, oh okay because uh, pax is going on right now this weekend and he had his panel and so that that went live Sorry. right now it's at 40 Breaking. days and it's at eighty six thousand dollars. so doing okay but they're asking for 1.5 million dollars so that's oh man that's, that's kind of like pillars so, of eternity two levels of like i don't think you're gonna get that much but we'll see um it, it, uh, it's got 40 days works, how is it like like uh what's what's the terminology like flexible funding i no, think it's, it's investing pretty much so um they you need to spend at least a hundred dollars so it's like kickstarter with investing that's kind of what it comes down to so you can either yeah. pledge but the, or you can but invest okay yeah 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 uh, you have yeah, an but option the, but for like uh if they don't meet the goal at like after the 40 days do they not get anything or can they still like uh, we're good like what happens to like like big projects that like don't make it like i remember uh, they uh, had like one for Rock Band on PC, and that didn't meet it. On that was Fig. Kickstarter. Oh. I don't think that was on Fig. No, that was on Fig. That's oh. probably part of the reason why it failed. The other reason why it was they were asking for three million dollars. Oh God, that <laughs> was right. that was absurd. Oh yeah, because the, like on the they were because they were gonna have all the songs 
that's ever been in Rock Band, like in that PC release, I think that's why it drove up cost a lot. I think that was the deal. But I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of wondering what happens to projects. I'm that pretty. Don't beat their I'm almost 100. percent I'm, I'm like 99 percent sure it's that it needs to meet that funding in order to actually uh, give them money. Yeah, yeah it's not it's, like Indiegogo, right? No, no, no. Oh yeah, it's it's uh, it's like I said, I'm I'm almost completely certain that it needs mm-hmm. to meet at least that goal in order okay. to get it. Yeah, actually, I'm going to the site there. Yeah, it does say here on the side it needs to uh, meet that amount. So okay. they've got. The, you know they've got forty days. It's actually off to a pretty decent start. You know, it's like I said, it's only it only started like let me see uh-huh. here. Uh, it started just a little after five o'clock Pacific time, so that was about you know a little less than an hour ago. So. Breaking, literally breaking news. Yeah, it's, it, it actually is. Yeah. So yeah, it started like it was an hour ago, and so uh, right now at eighty six thousand, that's pretty good. That's actually yeah. pretty good. I mean, we're yeah. talking sweary. People don't know he's the creator of like Deadly Premonition and D four and Spy Fiction. If you want to mention that, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you have to bid at least a hundred dollars if you want to invest in it. Otherwise, um, you have to spend twenty nine dollars to get. Uh, a digital copy of the game itself if you want that uh it's got a unique style it's like a low poly 3d models to it so it's kind of like a playstation one game in a sense a little bit like that um i'll go check that out but it, it's it's got yeah. a, it's, it's a slightly better look to it it's got like some cell shading going on it looks kind of neat uh mm-hmm. and it's definitely got that same sort of twin peaks vibe like it's a murder <laughs> mystery so of course uh you know this woman who who died uh apparently in a pond she actually stabbed through the stomach so we'll find out and apparently everyone at night turns into cats and you can customize your character so you can customize features of your character so like the the face uh and can i customize the cat version yes of you can it says oh, of course okay. you can customize the cat so they all right you. and it's got a switch stretch goal so uh okay. that's that's Ooh, cool. uh, yeah. did they mention the switch stretch goal like how much do they need for that um let me see here i just know for a fact it has that let me see right hmm. now it's playstation 4 and steam by the way okay uh, and let me see it might just be Chrome that's not really loading this well, but I can't seem to find. I think that might have just been from the panel itself, but okay. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have it right now, but I knew for a fact that it does have a switch stretch goal. So all right, uh, say that five times fast. Cool. Uh, so we'll hopefully figure out more <laughs> about that soon. So let's get into uh, the last big piece of news that we've got here. So Square Enix uh, revealed their Tokyo Game Show plans. Tokyo Game Show kicks off in uh, three weeks. So Sony's got their own separate thing, like they always do in a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, I think it's like on the, it's like on the sixteenth. I think Sony's got their deal, like they always do. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's the eighteenth or nineteenth, oh, the, the pre TGS conference. Yeah, so it's, it's hopefully the, we'll hear more about Thirteen Sentinels there. They always do. Mm-hmm. Like Sony always does. Like the yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Sony always does the like the pre TGS and TGS, and the TGS one is always kind of the disappointing uh, Sony Asia <laughs> one, and then like the pre TGS is the only one you really want to care about. Although they do usually announce like new colors for the Vita or something. Yo, at the, at the but will we get this year? Did we see the see through Vita finally? The oh, translucent the orange one. one. Oh yeah. Oh, they did just announce the translucent uh, PlayStation PS4 controller. Vita. Yeah. I actually own one. <laughs> oh, really? Well, there you go. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Pretty sweet. So I'm try now. Maybe they'll announce <laughs> a new handheld. That's also what I'm kind of open to. I think that would be great. Uh, uh, I, don't what's, think what, what's the... I get it. You guys aren't big sold on that. I'm, 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 I love my Vita. Though, what's, what, so. what's the opposite Vita of the Vita? <laughs> a Vita? <laughs> It'll just be a Switch ripoff. You know? That's what I'm expecting it to be. Uh, uh, there was that rumor going around that Sony might announce new hardware for 2018. Uh, and actually, uh, like a console, but we'll see. You know, I think the that Vita Pro. 
it's it's that yeah exactly it's like you know playstation 4 <laughs> is the step but i think if they want to directly compete with the xbox one x uh in even even if you you know people's opinions about the game lineup notwithstanding uh they do want to they do like the idea of competing directly with microsoft on on the hardware front because they lost their sort of um competitive advantage as far as like a powerful system xbox one x is clearly more powerful at this point but doesn't mean a whole lot when the games aren't there (laughs) so we'll see but i i wanted to get into some of the important things yeah hopefully 13 sentinels is there as far as alice is concerned but they already did confirm that there will be a new trailer for project octopath traveler which is that nintendo switch game that was announced in january with the rest of the lineup uh which is that really cool sprite looking uh with the 3d backgrounds uh from the makers of bravely default silicon studio so uh i'm really looking forward to that game yeah, well, I can't wait to see more about it. Too bad I'll be yeah. out of the out of the state during TGS. But, yeah, you know. you'll you'll be watching updates on your phone, I'm sure. I'll be like I'll be watching from the plane. Yeah, exactly. I'm really excited for that game too. Yeah, so. it's it's easily one of the biggest titles as far as uh, our side is concerned. But also, just as a fan of that design, you know that 2D art on a 3D background. I kind of I, I dig that, and it's like I said, it's like 3D. Uh, game. What's it? I'm linking on the name 3D game here ah anyway that playstation 3 game which is the same kind of sprite based style the uh, yeah shit i forgot uh, anyway i i, I think that i think the best part about the the whole square enix lineup uh tgs is they have a little merch section what they're going to sell and someone pointed out uh, chris kohler from kotaku yeah uh they're, they're selling a separate soundtrack that's just different versions of battle of the big bridge on it <laughs> i'm yeah. like hell yes let fucking sign me up i need one of those <laughs> oh my god that's really good. <laughs> I think at this thing, it's like they need to announce Gilgamesh for Dissidia. I think that's Ooh, like that's what's leading yeah. us to because he hasn't been announced yet, and you're talking about like one of the biggest villains uh, in the series. So yeah, they're, they're going to announce a new character for Dissidia next week, so we'll see. I kind of expect it because the design of the silhouette that they were showing up before looked a lot like Gilgamesh. So yeah, I, I found out later on that's like that silhouette is like an amalgamation of like yeah, different antagonists. Them, right? It's just yeah. yeah it's like three or four there's like put on top of each other it's like yeah that's <laughs> fuck you <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of what i'm ex- i'm fully expecting as well and mm-hmm. oh, you know speaking of of the the merch um they did just announce that they're putting the near replicant and gestalt and near automata uh, soundtracks oh, right. on vinyl um unfortunately yeah. it seems like a lot of that stuff is going to be exclusive to like square enix store yeah. so yeah, yeah. but yeah. you know yeah. i would assume that they'll be released in in the west well, on their store as well be awesome uh, the really fascinating thing about that is the cover art for them is uh, drawn by the tokyo ghoul mangaka Suyashida. Uh, yes yeah. he has a twitter account and it's great because you get to see a lot of fan art that he draws nice. <laughs> it's it's yeah. he's obviously a really talented artist and um i'm i'd love to hear what that sounds like on vinyl though and i would probably just buy it just to frame it <laughs> just oh, uh the next next year at e3 uh to, let's all convince alex to get his vinyl player and we get to go yeah that's we'll just gonna be up. constantly playing in our room yeah we'll have it playing in the background oh, even God. when we're not there just to give it yeah. the good vibes <laughs> when we come back so uh, i already imported the near tom the soundtrack on cd i'd I'm I'm tempted to get it again on vinyl. I mean, honestly, it's yeah, it's clearly it's a different uh, sound and all that with soundtrack versus yeah. vinyl. I mean, I cannot convince myself to ever be interested in CDs anymore, just because I don't really have anything that plays them. Uh, like so, outside of my car, which you know that uh, Artanella Kokoga soundtrack will be, always be in my CDs <laughs> CD tray in my car, <laughs> so I'm never going to remove it just because of uh, how important it is. But, I, it's a, it's funny yeah. because my nephew always looks at me, gives me a weird look. Like when my near automata OST came uh, earlier this year, he's like, 
what is that? I was like, CDs. It's like, what? People what? still get those? At least he knew what they were. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It's like Sean yeah. McCastati was like, what? what? Uh, I still got yeah. some uh, cassettes of my own. Like, I've, I still got the... Um, I think I've got the Pokemon to be a master soundtrack on uh, on cassette <laughs> still. Oh man! <laughs> I think it's got it's like limited. It doesn't have as many songs as it does on CD or something like that. It's yeah. Man, I I really wonder now if my uh, what my nephew would say if he saw VHS and cassettes these days. I mean, it's uh, it would just be bizarre. I still have got like a bunch of like VHS tapes of recordings of like. The Pokemon and Rurouni Kenshin and stuff like that, Dragon Ball Z and Tenchi Mio. <laughs> yeah. So I still got like a like it was so amazing to be able to just record that stuff immediately to a, a VHS tape and watch it later. And even if this DVR now, I just think it's awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. so fa- fascinating thing. Um, so the other thing that they also mentioned, and this is going to be happening at the very end of Square Enix's uh, TGS schedule. They did say they'll have a Final Fantasy 30th anniversary stream where they're going to talk about plans for the series in 2018 and beyond. 2018 Ooh. being the, a time when they're going to be celebrating the 30th anniversary. So, uh, you know, some of the things that people are thinking would be great to see, for me, it'd be... Final Fantasy Tactics were the lines we mastered on Steam. Uh, uh, or, you know, I knew Final Fantasy Tactics would be great as well, but I would uh, just be uh, almost as excited if they finally put that game on Steam. And I'm sure they, they'll also probably announce 12 on Steam as well and share with the 15 news, uh, 15 on PC news. But is there anything particularly you guys would like to see? I mean, uh, it's got to be Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy Theatrism on PC, please. They're all, they've already got a version on in arcades. It would be uh, nice yeah. Oh, Theatrism, uh, All Star Combat. Oh, that'd, yes. be, that'd be really cool. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I, I keep walking by. I keep going around one like every Friday just to stop by there and see it because they keep updating it with the new music. And I just think, uh, like, man, can't you like emulate this at home somehow? <laughs> you can't. Are you talking about the um, round one in Lakewood or? No, I'm I'm in Covina, so. Arena. Yeah, it's it's like a couple miles away. It's got it's got the like five different uh, uh, cabinets of theater theater Final Fantasy All Star Carnival, which people don't know. That's the arcade version of theater rhythm Final Fantasy that came out on the 3ds. Uh, so even if you got announced for PS4, you know that'd be cool too. Yeah, I want them to do something for FF8. That's what I actually want. Like I, what? Like a remaster? I, like nine? Maybe I'm I'm not sure. Like I because I saw uh, the the City Opera Omnia mobile game get updated and they were adding Irvine uh, from that game. It's like fuck. I, I mean, really they like did, that, dude. Yeah, they Shit. did release like a, a remaster. Yeah, exactly. They did announce remasters. I mean, they did release remasters for seven and nine. So you know, eight could be the next one. You know, it kind of needs it a little bit because it, it doesn't really look that great. Uh, I, you you always thing. look at that image of like a Renoa yeah. and Spot the Dancer. No, it was like, wow, you're like the most handsome guy around. Here. I literally <laughs> was popped in my head when I yeah. said that yeah. too. So it's hard not to think about that. Uh, I mean, even if it even if it holds up reasonably okay on PC, I'm sure there's like mods out there to. I know that. And also, it's like seeing Squallin in uh, Dissidia NT, like his model in it. Like, it looks really fucking good. It does. It does. I just know that, like, one of the mods uh, replaces the soundtrack with an orchestrated soundtrack, and my brother Adam was playing that kind of. Uh, was playing it with that experience, and so it's totally something that they could to- they can definitely do. And uh, yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. It'd be interesting to see them remaster it like that because all the other games have gotten remasters in some form. Eight hasn't really gotten one of those at all, you know. Or alternatively, maybe they'll tease Final Fantasy One Six. Maybe they did. Was it like someone keeps asking if they're going to put like all the Final Fantasy games on on like a single Blu-ray or something like that and put it on PlayStation Four? <laughs> they remember, did that, that with like PlayStation the, Three, right? <laughs> the, that that was the the rumor earlier Ultimate? on this year. What, what no, was... of, of like a like their their anniversary thing was like 
bundling all these older FF games onto a single Blu-ray for like PS4 or something. What was the uh, what was the collection they put out? Which oh the ultimate box, which was the PlayStation all, like all thirteen games, which was released, uh, but that was an exclusive for Japan. The problem though I see is going to be kind of the same is that if they announce that, I'm fully expecting that to be Japan only, <laughs> just like the original yeah. one was. Sadly, I, but who knows? You know, I think that uh, one like those would be the two coolest things. One, getting all the Final Fantasy games on on Steam. Two release in a collection like that that'd be a really good way to celebrate 30th anniversary and maybe they'll announce a Dissidia movie who knows I'm, I'm oh kind my of, god i'm kind of expecting like a crossover collaboration oh. movie uh to celebrate like that kind of like the city adventure, advent children, children yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay mark my words they're gonna be working on something like that i can totally see that happening to be swear like virtual arts is still already working on the concept of the spirits story. within too <sighs> Yeah. Alec Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Oh my gosh. So I think that's kind of it for news. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless you want to talk about for no, Sonic. No, I don't. And, I see you put that. No. Persona 5 Hedgehog. Yeah. Costume. So yeah, Sonic. <laughs> uh, what's it called? Sonic. What's what's Forces. the new Forces. Sonic Forces? Sonic. I'm a huge Sonic fan. Yeah. I totally forgot what the name of it. Sonic Forces. Apparently, one of the pre-order uh, DLC is having uh, your character. Because people don't know in Sonic Forces, you actually can customize the main character of the game, like your own personal Sonic Hedgehog uh, fan art can come to All life. Your art. Everyone's going to make Cold Steel the Hedgehog, and we know it. Yes. Yeah, DeviantArt memes. And so uh, apparently one of the DLC is a costume where you get the Joker's mask. And it's the creepiest okay. looking thing because it's got him, a, son, a black hedgehog, but he's got human hands. Yeah, <laughs> like, the they, they put, like, his red, they didn't put his red gloves from like, the oh, game. It's just like, it's just fucking, disgusting. yeah, why not? <laughs> oh my god, you look at it, the hands are gigantic. <laughs> and all the other I mean, costumes everyone's are making right, a big deal about... Um, joker and i can understand why but let's be honest here that um that jet set radio costume i am rocking that that looks okay, okay. that looks okay like, yeah. the joker uh, one just does look looks bizarre but that yeah the jet set radio one um nice one is okay oh too, jet grind was... radio excuse you actually it's actually jet grind radio in the west so oh, yeah. no it's That's... jet set radio too the hd remaster was called jet set radio I think they couldn't call it Jet Set Radio in the West uh, for some reason. I know that, like in Dreamcast, at least it was Jet Grind. So I forget what the story about that was. I think that's yeah. about it for news. I mean, there was some teasing going around about a, a Catherine sequel. Apparently, there was like a live stream happened the other day where, like, uh, as it yeah. went off the air, there was some teasing going on that they might be working on that. But yeah, I, I skipped that because it had like this little uh, golden recruitment theater uh, type deal, kind of talking about more about Project Re Fantasy and nothing really substantial. It's kind of like oh. more recruitment process. And but it was like presented with the I forgot her name and Catherine. It's like the the hostess with yeah. uh, the big From the red Golden Playhouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. It was presented through that and kind of gave a little teaser at the end. It's like, oh, you might see me more of me in the future or whatever. So maybe I, I, I'd kind of be interested to see what uh, Catherine too looks oh, like. She's going to be a fighting. Yeah. She's she'll be a fighting character in that upcoming. Oh, Blaze the Blaze Blue, Blue tag. tag oh shit! Battle, okay, she's tag. my main. Yeah, here we go. She's yeah, definitely one of my mains. That. Yeah. I mean, there's, they are going to announce new characters for that game, particularly uh, it, uh, soon. I think it's like TGS or something like that. So we'll finally get to yeah. see some of the other characters from the Persona side of things that'll be uh, making an appearance. So I'm curious to see what that'll be. If they'll introduce like Persona 5 characters or Persona 3 characters, but we'll see about that, I guess. I wonder uh, if yeah. they're going to have more than one Ruby character, if it's just going to be I Ruby. I think they would, right? Because it's four They would have to. Yeah, yeah. they need like That'd tag be a little partners. fucked up if it was only Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, at that point, it'd be like, Blaze Blue featuring Ruby. Ruby Rose. <laughs> yeah. Should I watch Ruby, by the way? Because I think that's like the new, mm. the new premiere is uh, coming up soon. 
I, my friends made me watch it, but honestly, I'd say it's... Not I don't really know. Good. You might like it. I, I like, the, I like the look of it. I like the, it looks uh, kind of neat. <laughs> um, the animation, especially in the first three seasons, is not good. Mm. Uh, I think it's... it. It Obviously, the original creator, the original artist died, and so like it, it can't really continue with that. But I think I, I heard right, Ruby does get better. Uh, like, lately, yeah. it's gotten better. But who knows? I just thought I'd bring that up. I think that's it for news, though. So... Unless anything pops off here, PAX will, of course, share yeah. that new details PAX next week. going on yes. right now. PAX West in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's definitely other panels that will be happening and uh, games that are being shown off. Hopefully we'll hear when Y2K will finally come out because that game has been in development, it seems like, forever. And mm-hmm. uh, that team has been going through so much problems here. Uh, Y2K Postmodem RPG, people don't know. Uh, we've had some articles on the site, but it's one of those indie games that have been kind of under the radar for a long time now. I'd love to see that come out. Very heavily Earthbound-inspired, which is why I'm so interested in it. Um, but yeah, so let you guys know where you can find us. You can always find us at RPGsite.net, where we've got reviews for E's 8, E's 7. We just put up a review for Life is Strange Before the Storm, which Natalie seemed to really enjoy, which means I really need to get to playing it, because I loved the original Life is Strange just as much as she did. Uh, so we'll give it a look. Uh, is there anything else I'm not looking at as far as articles here? I just wanted to kind of give uh, props to the people that uh, need it. Yeah, uh, Elizabeth this past week did a review for pillars of eternity complete edition, which is something that it seems like all RPG fans owe it to themselves to buy. We've also got several Dissidia Final Fantasy NT guides uh, that Josh, I'm sure you helped out on and that yeah. beta ends in a few days. You still got mm-hmm. time to use that. If you'd like, um, Kyle's been uh, working away on some Yakuza Kiwami guides as well. Yes. We've got some guides up on there too. He just put out one for the, um, what what did he just put up here? You got the lockers guide to find the lo- different lockers in the game. Of course, the Ma- Majima Everywhere guide to find out where his locations are. Which that, I, that's probably the most important guide. Yeah, in that I game. kind of. I, I don't know if I'll use that just because I, I kind of find the spontaneous uh, spontaneous uh, appearance mm-hmm. of the guy. But you know, that's it's kind of like the Joker uh, uh, guide for. Um, the Batman games, you know, the Joker, the Joker riddles, not the Joker riddles. I'm not talking about the, uh, the Riddler. The Joker riddles. Yeah. I'm sure there's been a crossover at some point of the Joker and Riddler and one character. It's some Batman, like alternate universe stuff. Uh, so <laughs> probably also, um, you can always find us on our Twitter account at RPG site on our facebook.com such rpg site net which we just crossed 2000 likes so thank you all for liking that page uh that t- page tends to be a lot of the place where we post repost news from the site but also birthday tweets so if people like that stuff uh you can find it all on there uh youtube.com such rpg site net which we've got uh continuing playthrough of the fuck Gear chronicles 3 we're getting close we've got a few more chapters left also posted a um Battle Royale simulation on Fire Pro Wrestling of the uh, Zero Escape peop- uh, characters because uh, Spec Chunsoft this past week um, put up a character pack of all the Zero Escape characters, including Zero as the referee. <laughs> I decided to go ahead and try a simulation for that, and uh, the results are pretty funny. It was part of one of the more entertaining ones I've done. I've done one for like Duncan Ropa. Uh, and Final Fantasy, and so this third one was probably the more entertaining ones because they bring out their weapons, <laughs> and so it was because nice. that game can be violent. I uh, maybe next time I'll do like a uh, barbed wire death match. Who knows? Also, Ooh. yes. Also, you can always find us on our on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Such just search for TetraCast. Apologies, I've had some issues putting the episode, putting the episodes up on there, so the, they might be a little bit out of order. But just know that all the episodes should be up there now. Also, our Discord page 
our permanent link is discord.me slash rpg site we've got a lot more people showing up here lately because we've been advertising the channel on our social media so plenty of people to talk to especially with tgs coming up uh in the games that will be out here we already discussed how many games are coming out uh we might have to discuss maybe we're having a spoiler channel for ease 8 but we'll talk about that uh mm-hmm. finally uh, i'd like to share where you can find us on twitter so where can they find you Oh, sorry. Oh, is that the death train? That's it. We're out of here. Oh, that's, man. that's our train. <laughs> Time's yeah, up. Okay. Apparently, that's our time up signal. Yes. Uh, Josh, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at HDKirin, H-D-K-I-R-I-N. Uh, the Gundam versus English Open Beta is up right now. We have like a little over 30 hours left on it. So yeah, if you're we'll, interested in that, definitely we'll, hop on. This podcast Gundam will be up in about an hour, so we'll have plenty of extra time there. Uh, James, where can they find you? At the sweet T H E S W W E E T on Twitter. Thank you, and uh, you can always find me at Zach Reese. So yeah, this was a really cool episode. So um, thank you everyone. Uh, thank you James and Josh for being a part of this podcast as always, and uh, thank you everyone out there for listening to this edition, the September second, twenty seventeen edition of the TetraCast. Catch us next week for another episode. Bye everyone.